0: Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, and we, we do lift your name on high. In times like these, Father, it's about all we can do with great grief and mourning. And the way we do thank you for, for your son Jesus and the loving sacrifice that he made for us, that we might know life and know it to the full. In him there was no darkness at all. And, Father, although this darkness of of grief and mourning has fallen over our community, Lord, we say, let your light break through. Let your people who call you Lord go into that darkness and bring forth the light of your love. God, I've seen you do it many times in times of sorrow and times of grief. You have broken through and you have shown yourself to be true and to be good. So I say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, do it again. May these children who are suffering and looking for answers find them in you today. I prayed many times, Lord, that... that there wouldn't be any more sons and daughters in this community that would cause their parents to grieve at the loss of their lives. But we've seen it happen time and time again. And we know that it's going to happen more. But what I have also seen is this community pour out love and mercy and grace and support to those who are grieving. They've done it for us and they've done it for so many more people since then. We live in a community that loves, and I'm so thankful for that. So, Father, I just pray this, these coming days, Lord, that, uh, that you would use the faith family in this community, whether it comes from Harvest or any other uh, church that calls on the name of Jesus today, that they would activate, they would move out, and they would surround these, these families and these children who have suffered loss and those who are still hurting not only with with love but with prayer and with support, with a hug, that they might come to know that Jesus loves them. Even though they've suffered tremendous loss, God is still God and he's still good. So, Lord, as we come today to teach today, I just want us to remember that our God is a God of victory. He's still on his throne, and this battle is his to and he is winning. So, Father, we just ask, Lord, that uh, through this word today that your Holy Spirit would fall on our our hearts and our minds and and just open them up to know this truth that, God, you are good. God, you do what you say you're going to do. And every promise you've ever made you will fulfill lord let the name of jesus be glorified through the words that i speak and through the words that every person standing behind a pulpit this morning is speaking that men and women and children might know that jesus christ is lord and the only way to the father He is the way, the truth, and the life forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, this last few weeks has really been tough on me because I've had to say goodbye to some friends of mine. One of them was my brother. One of them was a Boy Scout leader that we had a celebration of life here last Saturday. And then yesterday I had to to say see you later to my, one of my beautiful cousins. And I say beautiful, I mean that in every sense of the word. She was just a beautiful person. She went on a lot of hikes with me and Michelle and her brother, and she was just, she was a child of the light. That's all I can say about her. That's what I spoke yesterday about her. She loved the Lord with all of her heart, and she wanted his name to be glorified, even though she had suffered for over 20 years with cancer. In the end of her life that was the thing that she wanted people to know she wrote out her testimony before she passed and I got to read the last few uh, paragraphs or the last paragraphs and few sentences of her testimony and she wanted people to know that she loved the Lord with all of her heart and she gave him all the praise and she thanked him for his goodness for her even through all the suffering all the illness all the trials she wanted to thank the lord because of his goodness and i know where she's at today she had a conversation before she left this earth with my mother and she was telling her daughter and her her sister about that conversation about heaven just like her mama did and her mama was One who came back when they thought she had passed away and she began to talk about what she had saw there and how beautiful heaven was in the vivid colors And her last dying words were just two words barely audible but this is what she said be there be there heaven is something you don't want to miss so I pray and I believe in my heart That young man who passed away in that car wreck Friday evening, I believe he's there because I know that God knows what he's doing and he was preparing him because he was a football player and he was a track coach or a track, he ran track in high school. And I know his track coach was a pastor friend of mine and I know that God put one of his football coaches as another godly friend of mine whose dad and his grandpa are preachers. So I pray that that man had received the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in his life. I pray that over, his, over him. And, and I pray for the ones who are hurting today. One of the young ladies that was, uh, was hurt pretty badly in that vehicle is a granddaughter of a friend of mine. So we lift her up in prayer. Lord, we just come before you. We lift up Tessa to you, Lord. We pray that you would uh, bring healing on her body today, Father. We ask that, uh, that you would restore her to your former self, and that she could, could uh, speak of the goodness of your love and your healing, Lord. We pray that, the, that her family might come to know that, God, you've done this, that you've brought healing. So, Lord, we just pray that you would surround these families who have suffered this great tragedy today. Psalm thirty-four, eighteen says that you're close to the brokenhearted and you save those who are crushed in spirit. So, Lord, we just, we just claim that for them today. In the name of Jesus but you know our God is a God of victory and we can see that being played out here in this book of Ezra can't we Uh, first and foremost I think two three weeks ago we started it out and we started out with uh, chapter 1 and it talked about the decree that King Cyrus had given to to have the remnant of of the the exiles to go back into Jerusalem and start building the temple but he said it it says in there in that first few verses of chapter 1 According to the to the prophet Jeremiah and it was all it didn't start with Cyrus. It started with God, okay? God prophesied in 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 Jeremiah that they would that the the Israelites was going to be taken captive and held in captivity for uh, For 70 years, right? So this is part of that But God moved the heart of King Cyrus to allow them to go back. So it starts with God Okay, a lot of folks think it started with Cyrus. No started with God In his heart Proverbs 21 verse 1 says this it's in the Lord's hand the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels toward all who please him so God channeled the king's heart towards the people of Israel he moved King Cyrus's heart to let them go back and rebuild that temple so that they might offer sacrifices there so we see that happening and, and they move in, some of the remnant moves into Jerusalem and, and they're, they're making their own houses. And I think it took two years, two months for them to actually start building the foundation on, on the temple, uh, for the temple. So when we see that in chapter 3 that, that they were doing this and the, it says here that in verse Chapter 3, verse 3, but despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings unto the Lord there, both the morning and evening sacrifices. So we see that they've, they've accomplished part of that building. They've built the foundation there. But we also see that it says, despite their fear, right? They were afraid of those people around them because they were the enemies of Israel. And in verse 10, it says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, Levites and with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. Despite their fear, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. But then there came some people that weren't quite satisfied with what they saw. If you look down in a little later, I think it's in the, uh, where am I at here? Verse 11, it's, it says that he's good and his love to Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid because it wasn't as elaborate or as ornate as the one that Solomon built. So, you know, they, they longed for the things of the past. Well, I don't know, as I get older, sometimes I do that too. Good old days, you know. So there was a, there was a kind of a letdown for some of the folks because it wasn't like it was before. But God was still moving in their midst. But also there was something else moving in their midst too. If you look at chapter 4, verse 1, it says, When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple to the Lord God of Israel, they came and they uh, wanted to help build, right? And Nathaniel talked a little bit about that. And I think that the, the Lord laid it on the hearts of, 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 the, uh, of the people there that what they came to do, their kind of help they didn't need, their kind of help they didn't need. And it uh, goes on that they told them that they didn't need their help. And, they, you, and it says that you had no, have no part in the, in, with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, king of Persia, has commanded us. And then in verse 4, we see the true intention and motives start to come out, don't we? Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They hired counselors to work against them and to frustrate their plans during the entire region or I'm sorry, their entire reign of Cyrus king of Persia and down the reign of Darius king of Persia. So we see that opposition is coming and these people that came went and told King Artaxerxes about what they were doing there and that They don't mention the fact that the decree of of King Cyrus was for that they go back and build the temple. Listen to what they wrote to King Artaxerxes. To King Artaxerxes, from your servants, the men of Trans-Euphrates, the king should know that the Jews who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are restoring the walls and repairing its foundations. Furthermore, the king should know that if this city is built and its walls are restored. No more taxes, tribute, or duty will be paid, and the royal revenues will suffer. Now, since we are under obligation to the palace and it's not proper for us to see the king dishonored, we are sending this message to inform the king so that a search might be made in the archives of your predecessors. In these records, you will find that this city... See, they don't talk about King Cyrus at all, but listen to what they say. In these records, you will find that this is a rebellious city troublesome to kings and provinces and a place of rebellion from ancient times this is why this city was destroyed we inform the king that if this city is built and its walls are restored you will be left with nothing in trans euphrates now does that sound like they wanted to help him so after king artaxerxes had this letter read to him he re- responded to them to Rehum, the commanding officer Shem the secretary of the rest of the of their associates living in Samaria and elsewhere in Trans Euphrates greetings the letters you sent to us has been read and translated in my presence I issued an order and a search was made and it was found that this city has a long history of revolt against kings and has been in a place of rebellion and sedition Jerusalem has had powerful kings ruling over the whole of the trans-Euphrates and taxes, tribute, and duty were paid to them. Now issue an order that these men are to stop work so this city will not be rebuilt until I so so order. Be careful not to neglect this matter. Why let this threat grow to the detriment of the royal interest? As soon as the copy of the letter of King Artaxerxes was read... Rehum and Shemai, the secretary and their associates, they went immediately to the Jews in Jerusalem and compelled them by force to stop. So we see that those who came to help also came to stop. They wanted to see this thing stopped, nip it in the bud, if you will. So 16 years has transpired, and there has not been any work Done on the temple but then God stepped in again and you have to understand something about this this God of victory we have he means what he says and when he says that things are going to happen he's going to make sure that things happen so in order to make things happen even after this long period of of discouragement and and the letter from King Artaxerxes to stop on what they were doing because they didn't see the decree, apparently didn't see the decree that King Cyrus wrote. Because let me tell you something, the a, a, a decree from, from a king, that's why Cyrus had it put in in writing, that was not only law to be completed to the utmost of to every letter, because it, it was a death sentence if you didn't obey the king, right? It wasn't just for that king's lifetime. It was forever. The decree was... Immortal, okay. So that Cyrus, the decree of Cyrus in chapter one of Ezra, didn't have any time limit; it didn't expire. But Shimei and and Rahum, they didn't see it worthwhile to tell Artaxerxes about that that decree from Cyrus. But God, still in control. All this has happened to the to the Israelites because of their disobedience. So that's one of the things we need to understand is if we want to see victory, we have to be obedient to God in his word and to do what he tells us to do, right? We have to be obedient. That's what caused them to fall into captivity in the first place because they turned their back on God and they, they, they stopped doing what he told them to do. So if we want to see victory, we've got to be obedient with, with God, okay? And God then, in his great mercy and grace, he sent some more people To Jerusalem. If you look in chapter 5, Haggai and Zechariah, descended of Ardo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. And then Zerubbabel, who was the guy that started out, right, with all this building, Shatiel and Jeshua, son of Josadak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. So we see now, after they've been encouraged by the two prophets, that they start rebuilding again. Okay, so they're rebuilding again. And they've got a lot of people that's helping him. Well, as soon as they start building, what happens? More opposition comes. How many of you guys have ever entered into doing a great work of God? Then something happens. The enemy throws a wrench in the works. Probably happens more times than not, don't it? If any of you guys have ever... Been on a team walk to Emmaus or a Chrysalis or anything. You see that happen. If we tried to do a walk to, I uh, mean, a Chrysalis one time. What was it, two, Chris? Two years? Two and a half? Took us two and a half years to, to, to finally have a Chrysalis that was planned long before that, God's eyes. But anyhow, we see more opposition coming. And uh, Tat and I, governor of the Trans Euphrates, and Sheth- Shethar Boaz, or Boaz and I, And their associates went down to to Jerusalem, and they saw them rebuilding the temple, and they asked, who authorized you to rebuild this temple and restore this structure? They also asked, what are the names of the men constructing the building? Constructing the building, and it says in verse 5, but the eye of their God was watching over the elders of the Jews, and they were not stopped until a report could go to Darius, and his written reply was received. And this is a copy of the letter to King Darius. To King Darius, cordial greetings. The king should know that we went to the district of Judah, to the temple of the great God. The people are building it with large stones and placing the timbers in the walls. The work is being carried on with diligence and is making rapid progress under their direction. We question the elders and ask authorized who authorized you to rebuild this temple and restore this structure? We also asked them their names so that we could write down the names of their leaders for your information. And this is the answer that they gave us. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. We are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago, one that a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our fathers angered God of heaven, he handed them over to Nebuchadnezzar the Chaldean, the king of Babylon, who destroyed this temple and deported the people to Babylon. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to rebuild this house of God. He even removed from the temple of Babylon the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to the temple in Babylon. Then King Cyrus gave them to a man named Sheshbazar, whom he had appointed governor. And he told him, Take these articles and go and deposit them in the temple in Jerusalem, and rebuild the house of God on its site. So this Jezbazar came and laid the foundations of the house of God in Jerusalem, and from that day to the present it has been under construction, but it's not yet completed. Now, if it pleases the king, let a search be made to the Royal Archives of Babylon to see if King Cyrus did in fact issue a decree to rebuild this house of God in Jerusalem. Then let the king send us his decision in this matter. So we see, as uh, as as this uh, Tatni and whatever his name was, Shethar Bozani came. They really had no business. They were from the Trans Euphrates. They were on the other side of, of the river. They. They weren't even in their own territory, but they stuck their nose over there and, because they, they wanted to see what was going on, and they wanted to kind of stir up a little trouble for the, for the Israelites. So they go over there, and, and the reason they wanted to know who authorized this and they wrote down the names was because they wanted to, to tattletale on them. Right? They, oh, we're going we're to tell the king. All right? Well, you know, just like that song we sung earlier, we're going to see a victory, you know, because the battle belongs to the Lord. We're seeing this going to take place. We're going to see in chapter 6, verses 1 through 12, King Darius issue three different decrees. And we're going to see what the enemy meant for evil being turned for good. We're going to see that happen. And we're going to see in this first decree that King Darius has issued is going to be a, a decree to search for the truth. And we need to search for the truth, too, in our own lives because there's going to be a lot of people that come around and and say things. And we see this world we live in today. You know, we got fact-checkers on Facebook. we got these people that want to twist what we think and what we believe. You know, and their fact-checkers don't know facts, apparently, a lot of them. Because our facts come from right here, don't it? Our facts come from this book. So anyhow, it says that King Darius then issued an order and they searched in the archives stored in their treasury in Babylon. A scroll was found in the citadel at Ecbatana in the province of Medea, and this was written on it. In the first year of King Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt as a place to present present sacrifices and let its foundation be laid. It is to be 90 feet high, 90 feet wide, with three courses of large stones and one of timbers. The costs are to be paid by the royal treasury. Hmm, imagine that. And also the gold and silver articles of the house of God which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon are to be returned to their places in the temple in Jerusalem, so they are to be deposited in the house of God. So we see that first decree... That was searching for the truth, and was found to be truthful. What those workers and, 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 uh, and, and builders in, in Jerusalem told to, to Tatnai and his associates was true. They found that scroll and that decree. So, okay, the God of Victory scored another one. They. Were continuing to do the work. They were obedient in doing that work even though it took them almost 20 years to get to the point where they were at when they came and, and faced Tatanai and stuff. But we see now that we can trust the God of victory too because if he puts, how is it saying, if, God, if it's in God's will then he will make the way, right? So we see in the verse 6 that we're going to see him making a, a decree of support. For those who are building the temple. And it says in verse verse 6, now then Tatanai, governor of Trans Euphrates, and Shethar Bozani, and you, their, their fellow officials of that province, stay away from there. Do not interfere with the work on this temple of God, and let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild the house on this site. Listen to this. Moreover, I hereby decree, second decree. I hereby decree that you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of this house of God. The expenses of these men are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of trans-Euphrates. Now, wasn't Tatnai the governor of the trans-Euphrates? So what he meant for evil, God's turned around for the good of the Israelites, and Tat-Nai is going to fund it. <laughs> Our, God. Our God is good, ain't he? They're going to be paid by the revenues out of the, from the trans-Euphrates so that the work will not stop. What, whatever is needed. Young bulls, rams, male lambs for bird offerings to the God of heaven and wheat, salt, wine, and oil as requested by the priest in Jerusalem must be given to them daily without fail so that they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. You talk about a turnaround of events. Those Tatani and Bozani and, and all their associates, they thought that they were really going to get something done here. They were going to, to uh, disrupt the, the building of the temple in Jerusalem and they're going to get the work stopped. But not only did this second decree of support give those builders and those workers in Jerusalem everything they need, Tatnai and Shethar Bozani, they're going to pay for it. Now we're going to see the third decree come into thing, place. The third decree is a decree of what they call seriousness. They, this king wants them to understand and know that he is serious. They're not to go over there and mess with those guys anymore. They're not to disrupt them or discourage them or do anything but to support them and give them what they need. And if you look down in verse 11, it says, Furthermore, I decree that if anyone changes this edict... A beam is to be pulled from his house, and he is to be lifted up and impaled on it. For his this crime is this house is to be made a pile of rubble. May God, who has caused his name to dwell there, overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change this degree or to destroy this temple in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have declared it. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that would be kind of like adding insult to injury, wouldn't it? Darius meant what he said. And he said, if you come against these people and do anything, change this decree in any way to disrupt, disrupt the work that's being done here, then I decree that a beam be pulled out of their house and their house be torn down into rubble, just like what was left in Jerusalem after, after they got conquered. And you take that guy and you sharpen the end of that beam and put it in the ground and impale him on that. That would be a pretty rough way to go, wouldn't it? That was a decree of seriousness. That's what, that's what uh, Darius decreed. That third decree was a decree of the seriousness of what he meant and what he said. So we see that also that this God of victory... He expects to be obeyed, but He also wants us to trust Him because He will support us if we just keep our faith in Him. If we keep working, even as Nathaniel talked about, despite our fears, we just keep working at it. Despite our doubts, we just keep working. He's still God. He's still in control. And His will will be done. Amen? And when we see that taking place, then the next thing we do is we praise and worship Him, the God of victory. Amen. Because he is a God of victory. No matter what, we're going to be victorious. We're going to see that victory, just like that song talked about. But we got to obey God's word. We need to trust Him for provision and and for protection in all things. And when we see that happening, when we first start seeing God moving and working on our behalf, when we start obeying Him because we can trust Him then we're going to praise him, we're going to give him thanks. You know, uh, when my son died, I, I, I was at a loss. I didn't, you guys know, but my God was with me during that time. And one of the most precious Psalms that I've ever read is out of Psalm 34. You know, knowing what God done for me, and if it, if you look at Psalm thirty four, David was was uh, in 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 King Achish's possession. He was running from Saul, who wanted to kill him, and and he was in in the in the Achish's men's possession. And he thought that he was just going to die. He thought he was he was fearing for his life, and he acted like he was crazy. If you want to look at it, yeah, I think it's in 2 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 21. But uh, anyhow, he went there and, and he got there and he, he feared for his life. He, he was seriously a fearing for his own life. And uh, so he acted like he was crazy. He was insane. He was marking on the walls and he was, had the saliva running down his beard and foaming at the mouth and kind of doing all this crazy thing. And when they took him before King Achish, King looked at him and says, what, 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 I don't have enough crazy men in my kingdom? Get this guy out of here. So he released him. And this was David's response to, to being uh, the God-spare in his life. And, it, and I love it. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Oh, Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the lord is good amen because he is even when we're going through hard times we can trust him, and, and if we just obey god he's faithful so when we taste and see that he's good then we start to trust him more And the more that we trust him the more that he shows his goodness to us and and in in response to that what do we do we praise him we worship him we see this happening in, in ezra Those people, when they saw that foundation being laid and that that they were presenting altars or their their sacrifices on that altar, what did they do? They worshiped the Lord. They praised his name. He is a God of victory. He will give us victory. But we got to trust him. we got to obey him. And then after we see that victory, we're going to praise him. One of these days, one of these days, we're all going to be with him in heaven. And I can imagine what the party's going to be like when we get there, amen. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has in store for those who love him, amen. We're going to see that victory. When I think about losing the folks in my life that I love and I know where they're at, my feet get a little lighter on this earth because I got more family in heaven than I got here on earth. And I long to be with them in Jesus. Amen. I trust him. One of the verses that God gave me through all this was out of Hebrews chapter 12, or chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It says, since the children are flesh and blood, he too became humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds death. The power of death, that is Satan. And it says this, Thus freeing those who have lived in bondage their whole life because of their fear of death. We don't have to fear it. It's just another step in life. We're not dead. We're just changing addresses. Amen. We know where we're going. we got to trust and we got to obey, and we're going to see that final victory. Oh death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The victory is not the graves. The victory is in Jesus. Amen. We're going to see that victory. We just got to keep the faith. And we're going to see God do his work with, through those Israelites as we continue on in this book of Ezra. But God's good. He can always be trusted, even through the hard times, even through the discouragements and, the, and all the things that we got to go through in this life. God is still God, and God is still good. And he is victorious. There's not a promise that he's ever made that he hasn't kept. Numbers 23:19 tells us that, right? God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should act and, or speak and not act. Then he begs this question, have I ever spoken and not fulfilled? Have I ever promised and not done what I'm going to say or said I do? And the answer is no. He's always, always done what he said he's going to do. And he still is. We just got to keep the faith, Amen. One of those prophecies that he gave was how he was going to bring a way for us sinful people to come into his presence and to be called his children. And that was through the blood atonement, the sacrifice of his son Jesus. And we're going to celebrate the life and the, and the death of Jesus and what that meant. His body was broken for us through, his through our transgressions that he was pierced. We've been made whole. His blood washed away our sins. But His death wasn't the end, was it? His resurrection. He is alive today and He's in our hearts if we ask Him to be there. So as we get ready for communion, I just pray that we would take a time to to reflect on on the goodness of God and, and if we have issues with our trust in Him and not knowing all the answers, we, when we, can, we can go to him, and he gives us truth where there was none before. He gives us light where there was darkness. So I pray that if, as we prepare for communion, and we will be tables on all four corners of the room, that you're welcome to come to. Just allow God to minister to your heart, the Holy Spirit to, to, to just to be with you and bring you strength and comfort today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, and we we do thank you today for, for your love and your goodness. Lord, even though this community has suffered great loss, Lord, we know that you still are on your throne. You're still good, and you love us. So, Lord, I just pray that you would heal those who are brokenhearted today and, and save those who are crushed in spirit, Lord. We remember the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, and how that must have broken your heart, God. But you did it anyway for our sake. So as we accept these emblems that represent his body and his blood, Lord, let us take them that they might encourage us and strengthen us for the days to come, that we might be the light into the darkness, that we could share your love with out there, outside of this building that don't know you. Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified in us, to us, and through us. And in Jesus' name we pray.